listening to the Night Demon Network. Go to nightdemon.net slash subscriber to unlock more exclusive content. Every weeknight, it's Buzz After Dark. You like that? With Eric Steele. Hang out with me Monday through Friday from 7 to midnight for the Buzz After Dark. It's kind of like the Titanic, except instead of three hours to sink, it takes five hours. Breaks come out at night, that's for sure. The Buzz After Dark. After Dark. All night long. Awesome tunes, clothing optional. Hope you enjoy the ride. Weeknight 7 to midnight on 1029 The Buzz. Bill's Rock Station. Hello, and welcome to the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Nesbitt. Today, we are talking again about live darkness. Last week in part one, we really got into Cleveland, the Cleveland connection, the contributions of Bill Peters that led to this album being recorded in Cleveland, Ohio. We discussed Night Demon's touring history in Cleveland and played some clips, talked about the lead up to this epic show that took place December 2nd, 2017. Today we're going to dig into that historic show. This is Live Darkness Part 2. So, in part one, we talked about the lead-up to this 2017 show where Live Darkness was recorded. One thing we didn't really address last week was that this whole historic show was for charity. It's the annual Cleveland Heavy Metal Holiday Food Drive. And again, Bill Peters comes into the story. So, the Cleveland Heavy Metal Holiday Food Drive, started by Bill Peters, is an annual charity concert with multiple metal bands that raises money for local food banks and charities. And this was actually the ninth annual Cleveland Metal Holiday Food Drive. Here's Dave Overkill. My name is Dave Overkill, and I'm the singer and guitar player for the band Destructor. Well, first off, it's an idea that Bill Peters had years ago to try to raise some money for the needy. And a lot of the bands in the scene got on board and said, hey, I'd I'd participate in that. So we volunteered our talent. He and his crew volunteered their time and efforts. And it started to really take off year after year. More and more canned food, uh, money, All that stuff was raised for the needy in the city of Cleveland, Ohio. Um, This is a tradition that keeps on going, and we are all glad to have been a part of it over the years. Night Demon, when they finally were asked to play, I think we were all very, very excited that uh, they're going to come and play. And then we heard, well, they're going to record a live record here. Even better. Uh, What a better way to celebrate... Uh, this event than to have Night Demon come and record a live record for international release and we would be the crowd. This is an opportunity that doesn't come to every city all the time and uh, Cleveland and the Cleveland fans were honored to have the band and to be participants in this recording. Here's Cleveland DJ and host of Metal on Metal, Bill Peters himself. The Cleveland Metal Holiday Food Drive actually started back in 2009. And honestly, it was just an afterthought. I had set up a 25th anniversary show for my Auburn Records heavy metal label at the Beachland Ballroom. Some of the bands from the label, past and present, were going to play. 
And I thought at the last minute, I thought, you know, I'd like to do something for the community, you know, uh, some charitable sort of event, you know, to add on to the show. And the Cleveland Food Bank is located really close to the Beachland. So I thought, you know, let's have people bring some food, you know, not not where they have to donate money or anything, but everybody's got extra cans of food in their kitchen cupboards they can bring out. So I said, you know, hey, if you can bring out a can of food, that'd be great. We're going to donate it to the Cleveland Food Bank. And I only advertised it maybe a week before the show, had some mentions on the radio, and that was about it. It really was not heavily promoted. And I couldn't believe how much food we received that night. I mean, the Beachlands lobby was just stacked with bags and boxes. It was just unbelievable. And when I took the food over to the food bank on Monday to deliver it, they were just totally amazed and very appreciative, kept thanking me for doing this. And I said, well, this is from the Cleveland Metal community. We want to give back. We want to make our community a better place to live. And it really connected with me. And I thought, you know, this felt really good to do this. And I'm going to, let's do it again. So next year, I set up the show around the holidays between Thanksgiving and Christmas. We usually do the event the first Saturday in December and uh, tied it in again. And this was a free admission event. And the only thing we asked, if you could, if you were able to bring out some food and you could also bring cash donations. And that's where this all started. Um, for the first several years, we just had the Cleveland Food Bank involved. Later, we expanded to the Friends of the Cleveland Kennel an animal rescue group. One of my radio listeners was involved with it, and he suggested it to me, and I thought it was a great idea. Uh, we also had the Lake Humane Society, another animal rescue group involved for a while. And uh, now we have the Alzheimer's Association included. Uh, one of my family members was stricken with Alzheimer's. So currently we have the Cleveland Food Bank, and uh, the Friends of the Cleveland Kennel, which is now called Neighborhood Pets, and the Alzheimer's Association. So people, um, the show is free, and people can bring a donation. You can bring cans of food. Uh, we take people food and dog and cat food. Or you can bring cash donations for any of the three organizations. Here's Brenda and Jason Parks, two Cleveland metal fans who are directly involved with the event. Hello from Cleveland, Ohio. This is Brenda. And I am Jason. That night for us is just a huge night. Let's start off right there that this is the night for our holiday food drive, which Brenda and I are a big part of. And that's why it's so important that we're able to get a live, you know, band from Ventura, California to record something right in our presence. It was just awesome. It made that night even more electric for all of us. For the Cleveland com heavy metal community, this is a very important day for us. Yeah. It's, we all come together united to help you know, the local charity causes and just to have Night Demon do this for us is just incredible. And a little backstory on this event. It started off small, but grew over the 10 years. First and foremost, it was a celebration of heavy metal here in Cleveland, Ohio, where we would have 8, 10, 12 bands performing, showcasing our own metal talent here, hard rock and roll, heavy metal in Cleveland, Ohio. And the opportunity came that Night Demon was going to be a part of it. It really raised the bar on the event. So, in 2017, the band had a live album in mind. They had toured their newest album, Darkness Remains, for a year. So the band had these songs pretty much honed to perfection on the road. And the time had come to document what they were all about. They were just waiting for the right moment. Here's Armand. 2017 was a perfect year to do a live album because, first of all, we had basically been on tour since January, starting with the South American tour, January, February, 
March through April, we were out with Anvil. The record came out April 17th. Darkness Remains came out, right? Then April through June, we did Europe. July through August, we were back in Europe for part two of the uh, Darkness Over Europe tour. And then basically we had some things um, on and off until the live album, like Frost and Fire. Oh, they, yeah, there actually was also a UK tour in November, I think it was. So, I mean, we were on tour for, I don't know, nine months or so that year. So I think that's perfectly the time. That's a perfect time to get out there and record a live album because there's no better rehearsal than playing live. You know, we've this is a thing that's happened before where, you know, we can re rehearse as much as we want in the studio and this and that and go over things over and over again. But there's nothing like playing, you know, 20 shows in a row or something like that or 20 shows in 25 days or 30 shows in 30 days which happens sometimes like the South America thing was insane it was like 29 shows in 30 days or something like that and almost as many flights if not more <laughs> flights than we did shows because it was crazy getting down there getting around to uh, all the places because there's a lot of uh, little towns that we played that you can't drive to really because of the mountains and the jungles and all that crazy shit. So yeah, I think the build up to that, I mean, it was just a perfect time. The band was on fire. We had known the songs. You know, the other thing too is that the album just, we hadn't started playing those songs until after the album came out. You know, sometimes bands will play uh, their new stuff before the album comes out, but we didn't do that. So we held out until... Um, I guess it would have been the Darkness Over Europe tour April, June when we started playing the new songs. So that gave us a good, you know, probably six months. I don't know how many shows, probably 100 shows maybe by the time we did the live album of playing the new material. So I think we were well rehearsed and ready to fucking capture that and make it a thing that'll last forever. A snapshot in time. It was the right time to do Live Darkness because we had toured so much. We had played those songs so many times once we had, once the record came out and we had gone out and really gotten into it. So I think, you know, by doing the live album at the same year that we put out the studio album, it was the perfect time, especially because we added so much of Curse and the EP in there, it was just, it just felt right to do it. And I remember even talking to Jarvis and Armand about it and, you know, how we had gotten a little bit of pushback, um, maybe from certain people here and there that said, ah, it's way too soon. It's way too soon to do a live album. You guys only have, you know, two full lengths in an EP. But I think with um, the EP and Curse, um, they kind of have their own sound and then darkness kind of takes it to another level. And I think by the end of 2017, we wanted to um, really showcase what we sounded like as a live band, um, putting the whole thing together and, you know, capturing the energy and the sound that we had had at that point. Late 2017 was the right time to record the live album. I think just because... We had released Darkness Remains earlier that year, but we had been on the road pretty much consistently since then. And it had come up that Bill Peters, who is the host of the Metal on Metal show on WJCU-FM in Cleveland, for 35 years running, it was his 35th anniversary, he wanted to do something special for the holiday food drive that is an annual event during December, during Christmas time that they do every year. And so he had approached me and asked if Night Demon would come and headline the show. So for us, I mean, the timing was perfect because 
in the month of December generally, a lot of touring has died down because of the holiday season and the industry shuts down. Uh, not to say that Night Demon has not toured during the month of December. We actually did a lot of touring last year in December. However, the timing was perfect for this. So we decided that it would be a great thing to do. And logistically, Bill was really helpful in doing all this and had agreed to fly the band out. You can see Bill Peters really pulling for Night Demon in Cleveland. He has a show set for December 2nd, 2017 at the Beachland Ballroom in Cleveland. And late 2017, he approached the band about playing this charity concert. It was the first time an international act like Night Demon had headlined the festival. And this is one of those times in Night Demon history when a lot of things come together at once to spark something great. Night Demon are thinking of doing a live album. Bill Peters comes to them, offers them this headlining slot, and then he has some news which seems to line up perfectly with Night Demon's plans. The idea for the live album came from Jarvis Leatherby. Um, I had mentioned to Jarvis that we're going to be recording the event. Tony Alberts from Spectrum Sound was donating his time and bringing in his full remote 24-channel board. Uh, he's recorded several of our food drive shows in the past. And I told Jarvis that, um, you know, we could get a live recording that you can use for whatever you'd like. Um, and uh, it offer it to you for free. I mean, there was no charge. So um, shortly after that, Jarvis decided, you know, let's do an official live album in Cleveland. Uh, we had the recording gear set up. It's a big event. Our event always draws a lot of people. Although this was the biggest as far as hitting capacity, we're always near capacity with every one we have done. So Jarvis knew there would be a big crowd there and also um, a very high-quality recording from Tony Albert. So this was a almost a perfect storm here to do a live album. Hey guys, Jarvis jumping in here. I want to tell you about Shadow Kingdom Records. Shadow Kingdom was the first domestic label to release Night Demon on CD. They put out the EP in 2013, and they also released the vinyl version of Live Darkness. Listen, you guys need to get your ass to the Shadow Kingdom Records store, okay? Right now, they're offering 10% off for all Night Demon Heavy Metal podcast listeners. Just go to the website, put in the code Night. Demon 10. That's Night Demon 10. All capital letters, Night Demon 10. No spaces. Put that promo code in upon checkout to get 10% off. Right now, guys, they have the Blood Star 7 inch, which has sold over 1,500 copies, and these guys cannot hold on to it. So, this next pressing, you want to get that before it goes out, okay? Also, SKR Compilation Volume 1. Guys, this is free on Bandcamp. They're giving it away for free. So not only are you going to go to ShadowKingdomRecords.com and put in the code, all capital letters, no spaces, NightDemon10 upon checkout, you're also going to go to their Bandcamp site and get this compilation for free. You're going to hear tons of fantastic fucking heavy metal. If you love us, you're going to love this label. Check it out, shadowkingdomrecords.com. Put in the promo code NIGHTDEMON10 and receive 10% off of your entire order. Do it. After agreeing to do the show, we had basically taken it upon ourselves to decide to do the live record. I remember Ali Hahn, who was our A&R guy over at SPV Records in Germany, he had come to a couple festivals that summer, and he was the one who really brought up the idea for the live record. He thought, man, wouldn't it be great if Night Demon had a live record? Just something that captured all of this crazy onstage energy and this time period of the band. And I thought that was a really great idea. Our contract had run up with them as far as studio albums were concerned. And this was kind of something to extend our tenure over there. And it was something that the label wanted to do, which is always cool for us when 
were able to work with record labels that really their heart and soul is in heavy metal. And typically in this day and age, live albums are not very popular and they don't sell very well. Well, at least they don't sell as well traditionally as studio albums. Live albums were kind of a thing of the past, I guess ever since YouTube was became popular and everybody could just go watch whatever the hell they want as far as live concerts at the drop of a hat. I mean, I remember when Maiden did their uh, Book of Souls tour, the first show I think was in North Carolina or something like that, and that concert was on YouTube basically immediately after the show ended. So instead of me, you know, waiting the six months I had to wait to see them on that tour, I immediately went and watched the video to see what the stage set looked like, what the set list was, and that's kind of cheating. It was actually a poor representation because it was some bootleg video, but that's the kind of world that we're living in these days. Uh, but as far as the live record goes and SPV being involved, I think it was a really cool thing. And I'm really glad I remember it was at the rock hard festival that Ali Han brought that up to me and that just stuck in my head. So when Bill asked us to come and do this show, um, that's when I knew that was the opportunity to do this record. Many underground bands record their albums in Europe at the big festivals or wherever they play overseas. And what made this so special was, you know, here was this underground heavy metal band, Night Demon, and actually recording a live album in the United States, in Cleveland. That was so cool. So once the announcement was made, people were really excited about it, you know, to be part of a live record. It was never specified in uh, our preliminary talks with SPV, about where we would do the record. I mean, really, it was just kind of a passing thing when Ollie had mentioned it to me. So when we had this special one-off show lined up in Cleveland, of all places, I knew that this was the time to do it. And when I brought it up to the guys in the band, it was a no-brainer. And really, I think the age-old question that I've been asked more than anything in our travels is so how do how does our scene compare to the United States? How does the European metal scene compare to the US? How does the South American or Latin American metal scene compare to the US? US has a very dark reputation these days of rock and metal just being dead and it just being kind of this R&B hip hop top 40 wasteland and this was the best opportunity for us to go to a place where we are loved and a place that we love and a scene that we've nurtured and a scene that has nurtured us from our humble beginnings to really bring it home and to really be able to put this thing on record for the rest of the world to hear how awesome the heavy metal audience is in the United States. And I think a lot of people don't take into account how big the United States is. It's an extremely large country. So, of course, you know, heavy metal is not the number one genre of music out here as, you know, it may be in Germany. I don't think it's number one in Germany, but it's pretty damn high, especially when you consider that Night Demon releases a record and we're in the top 100 on the German charts. And actually, I believe this record debuted at number 43 on the German charts. These aren't the German metal charts. These are the German charts. So we're sandwiched between Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift and all that over there. But that's just how popular metal is over there. So for us to do the live album in a place like Germany would have been a great thing. It would have been an easy thing to do. And for those who know the Night Demon Path, I guess we've never picked the easy way to do things, but we pick the important way to do things. And we like to take the road less traveled when it means something to us. And it was very important for us as ambassadors of U.S. heavy metal to represent our country in this way. And really, if it was up to us and the slate was blank, and we had to do a live record in the U.S., we would have picked Cleveland, Ohio anyway. 
it is a very magical place for Night Demon. And this place screams Night Demon. So it's decided. After touring nonstop for almost a year, a road-hardened Night Demon will headline the heavy metal holiday food drive, and it'll be recorded for an epic live album. And the date is set for December 2nd, and the venue, the Beachland Ballroom. Really cool. Very cool, old school, kind of like a auditorium, you know, that would you'd play in at your talent show in high school. You know, the old the wood floor, all the walls were treated with like the cork kind of, or like, you know, the sound, um, like uh, the ceiling tile kind of thing with the holes in it. Uh, classic kind of big, nice, deep stage, wooden stage, really good sound in there. And also like just a really great natural sound, you know, not too big where you get a lot of echo, but just the right sound, right size so that, you know, uh, the band, it just enhances the sound of the band and the drums and everything sounded really good in there. So I think it was a perfect place to do the record. You'll notice when you uh, listen to some of the um, the ambient mics that we had in the room, you can really hear that there's a cool, boomy kind of sound. The Beachland Ballroom and Tavern is a music venue located on the east side of Cleveland in the Collinwood neighborhood. It was founded by Cindy Barber and Mark Letty. The building was originally constructed in 1950 as the Croatian Liberty Home. We've hosted our charity event 10 of the 11 years at the Beachland. One year we did one on the west side of Cleveland at the Jigsaw Concert Club in Parma. It was a blizzard that night. But uh, 10 years we've been doing the Beachland. And uh, they opened as a music venue back in 2000. And they host a variety of music styles, very eclectic. And uh, they've been great partners to us and our event. Beachland Ballroom. This is one of the few venues in Cleveland that I had never been to, but it's got a good history, and I had always seen that really awesome shows came through there. I remember looking on Facebook once, and everybody in Cleveland was all excited because Girl School was coming to town, and we'd played with Girl School a bunch overseas, and they're always fun, and they're obviously legends themselves, but I remember seeing video of them playing at the Beachland Ballroom and thought, man, what a cool club. We got to play there. So when this came up, you know, the the metal holiday food drive always happens at this venue. So we're like, okay, now's our chance to play this place. Now, when I walked into it for the first time, when we showed up, it really blew my mind at that point because you can watch video of the stage and it kind of looks like a, you know, a cool little club. But when you actually come into this place, I mean, it's just it's old and it smells like like an old lodge. It's almost like going to a high school musical or something in there, or like a an old Elks Lodge meeting where they have some performance there, or you know, they may have like a some banquet table set up. But it's just basically it's got an old school vibe. It's got a couple bars in it, a couple rooms, but the big room is beautiful. And the stage is big enough for us and the sound is great. It's just, it's got that vibe. It's, it reminds me of the first show I ever played. I played a talent show when I was in the eighth grade and played Anarchy in the UK with my first band. And we played in kind of a school gymnasium. And that's kind of the way that this place is. But it definitely has a vibe all to its own. And with all the greats that have played on that stage, I was just, that that energy and that magic was there for us that night. They had a kick-ass basement, which served as kind of the backstage for the bands and the crews, which was really cool because in California, we don't have basements for obvious reasons, earthquakes, you know, but uh, it was great. It was It was just cool hanging down there, hanging with all the bands and getting ready for the show. A lot of friends there, a lot of people that we knew. And it just it was a, just a great vibe all night. Plus, when it's cold outside, 
and it's Christmas time and there's that holiday vibe, there's that holiday spirit. And you know, Night Demon is in town, right? The favorite band of these people, an honorary local band. So there was a lot of pressure stacked on us that night to deliver, especially because we're recording a live record and we only get one shot, right? So I mean, most live records are recorded over three or four nights or throughout a tour, but we had one shot here to do it, and there was just so much excitement in the air that we wanted to put our best foot forward here. I chose the Beachland because, well, you know, they're just very nice people there. I've had a long uh, relationship with them over the years, and um, I like the fact that they had two stages. That That way I could have more bands play and, uh, you know, have continuous music all night for this event. So that worked out really well. So the day before the show, fans from all over arrive in Cleveland to be part of this live album and in a way to be part of Night Demon history. Uh, Fans from all over the USA, Canada, Germany, other parts of Europe, they descend on Cleveland to be part of this historic night. Here's Steve Stafford, Night Demon hardcore fan, who flew to Cleveland from Austin, Texas. Uh, this is Steve Stafford. I am a Austin, Texas musician. And yeah, Austin is a long way uh, to Cleveland for sure. You got that right. But no matter for me, I'd seen the social media post by the guys talking about recording their live album up at the Beachland Ballroom. It's like, no brainer, man. I'd contacted my friend, Sean, who's good friends with those guys. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm thinking about gone. I had already booked a flight and gotten a hotel for cheap in a nice hotel actually in downtown uh cleveland uh sean contacted me a couple days later and was like yeah man i want to go so uh <laughs> we hooked up at the airport and we made it to cleveland and went to the pre uh the pre-party the night before at a place called maple grove tavern i hope i got that name right but there was a iron maiden tribute band playing and they played Moonchild, which uh kicked ass i'm a sucker for the seven cent album we met some really cool people at uh, the maple grove tavern that night and uh they, they ended up coming to the show the next night at beachland and they're still my friends to this day man cleveland fucking rocks man i mean really cool cool people here's sean weingartner also a resident of austin texas and huge night demon supporter i'm sean weingartner in austin texas it's no secret that i'm a huge night demon fan and a good friend of the band and had already seen them 13 times since 2014 in Chicago. My friend Steve Stafford sent me a text and asked me if I was going to go to the Cleveland show. And I hemmed and hawed about it for a little bit as, as it was a bit last minute. He tipped me off on a $100 round trip flight and offered up his hotel to share. So I couldn't really say no. Not to mention it was going to be recorded for a live album as well as having some other bands I really liked being on the bill. The decision was pretty easy, to be honest. So, Steve and I were off to Cleveland. And as fans descend on Cleveland for the show, there's a sense that this is a very special event. Here's Kit Ekman, who played Rocky that night on stage. Hi, this is Kit Ekman. Uh, My relationship to the Night Demon guys is very special and has been for many years. Uh, Having said that, I wasn't supposed to be at the live Darkness taping, although of course I wanted to. I had some real heavy stuff going on in my personal life, so I was home and alone in Alabama the night before uh, the Live Darkness taping in Cleveland, sort of living my own private hell. And at 8 or 9 o'clock that night, the phone rang, and I answered it. It was Jarvis. He was at the warm-up show in Cleveland and made it clear to me that the band was really bummed that I wasn't going to be there and that they really wanted me there. And was there any way we could just fucking figure it out and put me on an airplane and get me there? And so together, he and I got on the internet. He was on his phone, I was on my phone. We got on the internet, we did some scrounging around for tickets, and I'll be damned if we didn't find a flight. And so just, fuck it, I booked it. Um, got off the phone with him, packed a bag, slept about two hours, and then you know drove to the airport heading for Cleveland. There was definitely a strong sense among the fan base that this live darkness taping was a special event, something not to be missed. It had been well publicized in advance. It had been all over the internet. Um, you know, Bill Peters and his crew had done a real good job of getting the word out about it. People knew about it. So lots of people made the necessary arrangements to fly in from all over the USA and even Germany and in some instances to come to cold-ass Cleveland, Ohio in the middle of December uh, to witness the spectacle. You know, walking around the venue that night, it felt like, it was so cool, it felt like old home week because 
there were so many just kind of special and amazing people that I've bonded to because of Night Demon over the years that were all there. And so many of them like me who had, who had flown in just to be part of that really special night. So the day of the show, tensions are a little high uh, when the band shows up for sound check. There's a lot of pressure when you're recording a live album and the sound and the setup needs to be perfect. I remember we got rolling. I had to be up the earliest because I had sent drum heads to Ohio um, so that I knew what sizes I needed for the drum set that I was going to be using out there. Uh, I didn't know the type of condition it was going to be in. I just knew it was a Pearl kit, um, 14 rack, uh, 16 floor, 22 kick. Um, I brought a snare drum with me, the 14 by 8 Ludwig Coliseum snare that we use on almost all of our recordings. So I went and I picked up the drum kit that morning um, with a couple of friends that had a van and there was no seat in the back of the van. So I had to sit on a milk crate and, you know, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. And I think I was up drinking pretty heavy the night before so I was hungover and uh, so I got a coffee and you know I'm getting myself together and trying to work my hangover out and so we get to uh, Vanix recording studio and they're the ones that allowed me to borrow their drum kit so I go and I pick that up and um, they happen to have the drum heads there as well because I had them the drum heads shipped from Diodario to um, their studio and so pick up the drum heads pick up the drum set load everything into the van and then go right to the venue and we I think we were planning on getting there around like 11 or 11 30 and so I got there probably about 10 30 loaded in everything um, I believe our friend Kit was there already um, and he gave me a hand pulling some of the stuff in as well as a couple of the guys that I was in the van with um, so we loaded all the stuff in and then, uh, I just got to business and, uh, took all the old drum heads off and put all new drum heads on, tuned the drum set up. Um, and for me, it takes a long time for me to do something like that. I know it sounds like I just, you know, did a lickety split, but in order to, uh, make sure that the drum kit was going to hold up for the whole show, um, I really kind of went over it with a fine tooth comb and, really just dialed in as best as I could with getting it tuned to itself. Um, I had to do a couple little tweaks with the snare drum. I'm really familiar with that snare, so I really wanted to just dial it in so that it sounded good in the room. And everything worked out nicely. It was was pretty simple. Um, Really small drum kit, just two crashes, ride, hi-hats, one rack, one floor, snare and kick. Uh, I brought my own double bass pedal. I brought my own cymbals. Um, brought my own sticks, that sort of thing. Um, and the snare. And then I borrowed the kick, the tom, and the other tom. Showing up, the vibe, I think, was a little bit tense just because we were recording a live record. It, it wasn't just a another show. The cool thing that we were able to do is we really paid attention to the equipment and we flew out our guitar heads with us. But you know, when you do stuff like this, you have to take special care of your instruments and stuff. So we had to take the tubes out of the valve amplifiers and we play vintage amplifiers. So we had to carefully place them back in. We had to test everything. We did have rented backline as far as drums and cabinets, but Dustin brought new heads for the drums and he was, changing those out and tuning them. And, you know, he's very meticulous about that, which, you know, sometimes we actually, we call him OCD man because he is the D man. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I will say that I really do appreciate that about him because I've been in a band with many drummers who don't give a shit. You know, they'll leave their drums out in the rain or they'll leave them dusty in a garage and just pick them up and play them like, like it doesn't matter. And you can hear the difference in the sound. He really does take a lot of pride and care in his equipment and 
it's it's an extension of his personality, and especially if we're going to put it on record, he wants it to sound the way it's going to sound. He wants that resonance there. He wants to be able to hit the drum and feel it, and feel it channel through his body. And not only just for a live record, but he does this for every show we play. He does this for every rehearsal we do. So this is one of those moments where, as in the past, it may have gotten under my skin because sometimes I'm just like, look, it is what it is. Just go for it. The music is what's important. You know, on a live record, the sonics are what's important. And the music will follow if he's comfortable with his gear. You know, we had the sound check early during the day, but of course that ran late as these things do. Um, the sound company ran late getting everything set up and this and that. I don't know exactly what happened, but basically I think doors were at four and I think we were final. Originally we wanted to get in there around like noon to set up and sound check. And I think we were that we were there really early to get everything dialed in. You know, we brought our own amps. We flew our amps out there, our guitar heads, bass head. Um, Dusty brought a snare that I have, his own cymbals and stuff like that, because that's the other thing. We wanted to really capture the our live sound. And so the best way to do that is to have as much of our equipment there as we could. So, But, of course, things ran late, as they do, and we basically, we had wanted to kind of test out the, you know, the recording equipment to, you know, hear what we were going to capture because, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, we're, we got one shot at doing this and it was that night and to get it right, you know, we didn't have days or weeks to plan ahead. You know, the sound company came in, mic'd everything up. Sound check. We had recorded, well, once we started with sound check, we had, had all the, you know, everything all mic'd up and we had the engineer there to uh, really just start dialing in the entire sound. You know, his name is Tony. Tony was the engineer. He had done a recording of us at uh, the Maple Grove uh, back in the day and there's a video uh, for Radar Love from that night and he did the engineering on that. And I remember us talking about it and he was the the first and only guy that came to mind when it came to uh recording this album hello i'm tony alberts i work for spectrum sound i'm uh, the recording engineer for the live darkness cd i was approached to record the band uh by jarvis uh <laughs> i vividly remember sitting at work uh and it was probably summer late summer and uh i i get i get this ding on facebook messenger and it's and it's jarvis and i look at it and it, and it says hey we want you to record a live album in cleveland i'm like <laughs> okay so i i honestly i was a little bit taken back you know i it's the, kind of the last thing i expected uh, you know sitting at work uh, in <laughs> in the middle of summer uh so obviously i i curiously asked more details and uh, when I found out it was going to be at the yearly benefit that uh, Bill does, uh, Bill Peters, uh, and that show is always packed. You know, I was kind of excited because I knew there'd be a huge crowd there, and and having a good crowd is, you know, primarily it, that's besides performance. I mean, that that's the heart and soul of a live album is the crowd. So after we went through the details and started uh, sorting things out, I, I I was pretty excited. What is up, Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast listeners? This is your resident motor mouth, Jarvis Leatherby, telling you about something very, very special here. The Decibel Hall of Fame Anthology, Volume 3. This is a book, guys. That's right. We all know Decibel Magazine as the number one metal magazine in North America for many years running. But you know what? They also have a fucking killer book series okay i want to tell you about this the decibel hall of fame anthology volume three this limited edition hardcover includes 25 hall of fame stories from decibel's revered monthly series of artist interviews on the making of their classic extreme music albums featured in this book are stories behind classic albums such as staying class by judas priest apocalyptic raids from our good buddy tom warriors Hellhammer. Pleasure to Kill from Teutonic German Terror Creator. 
Court in the act from the legendary new wave of British heavy metal gods, Satan. And of course, Abigail from the legendary King Diamond. And last but not least, Night Demon's personal favorite, Heartwork. From the only other band from Liverpool, Carcass. So guys, please head on over right now to store.decibelmagazine.com and grab a copy to read the definite stories of Heavy Metal's definitive albums. Put in the promo code NIGHTDEMON upon checkout to receive 10% off. That's NIGHTDEMON, one word, all capital letters. Get your 10%, store.decibelmagazine.com. While you're there, guys, go ahead and grab a subscription of the Mag 2. They've got a great vinyl flexi series do yourselves a favor here get on the level store.decibelmagazine.com promo code night demon so with tony alberts at the helm engineering and recording the show the band were in very good hands not only did he have knowledge and skill he also had a lot of experience recording bands at the specific venue the beachland ballroom I've actually done a lot of stuff previously at the Beachland. Uh, one of the first things, if not the first things I ever did at the Beachland was a band called Stars. Just a great hard rock band from the 70s. First record came out in 76, I think. Had three or four records out on Capitol. They were booking some reunion shows in 2003, 2004. And they booked a show at the Beachland in 2004. And I emailed Richie Rano, you know, the main guitar player. And I, I said, hey, you want to record your show at the Beachland? And and I'm sure he had the same thought I had uh, when when Jarvis messaged me, uh, "Hey, you want to record our show at the Beachland?" He's probably a little bit taken back, and uh, fortunately, he said, "Yeah." So uh, that was one of my first experiences, and I, it was great. That record ended up coming out on Sony as a single CD here, as an extended version, and in Europe, it came out as a double CD on Sanctuary BMG. So that was uh, the start of that I can remember recording at the Beachland. Since then, I recorded Loudness, Raven, Anvil, Piledriver, lots of local bands, Breakers, Shock Paris, and uh, pretty much every food drive that's been there, as well as uh, college radio benefits and just a lot of work done at the Beachland. The recording and engineering process for that night actually went fairly well. I kind of walked in there knowing what I was getting into, having recorded so many times in the past. I'm good friends with the sound guy. I know what kind of gear they have there. Uh, and typically, I bring everything I can. So in this case, we were using 24 channels, and uh, I brought 32 channels of preamps. And typically, they don't go bad, but just in case. And they didn't, which was good. Uh, I also brought in uh, dual 24-track recorders, and those were set up to operate independently of each other in case one did go out of record, which has been known to happen from the loud vibrations that a band causes. So we were kind of set up uh, in redundancy on those two, and fortunately, you know, I, they didn't go out of record, either one. So that, that portion we had covered, um, what I'm typically worried about during a live show, more than anything, is a guitar cable going bad, string getting broke, a mic going bad, drummer hits the mic, or a cable going bad somewhere. We ran through, I think, about three quarters of the set at Soundcheck uh, just to get levels and make sure everything was good and, you know, to kind of work the jitters out a bit that day and also to make sure that, you know, we knew what we were doing as far as um, certain segues and um ways that we were kind of like you know putting songs kind of together without stopping here and there um uh i think it was uh i forget what song we finished right before we go into hollowed ground but like little stuff like that where we just had to make sure that um we were on our a game so yes in typical night demon fashion we like to come prepared because <laughs> this isn't our first rodeo, I'll say that. Not for Night Demon or not for any of us as musicians. We've all been in many bands and we've played music for decades and we have failed miserably many times at a lot of things. So we wanted to make sure that everything was working correctly. We wanted to check it, double check it, and triple check it. Again, we had one shot at this. It was not multiple nights. It was nothing like that. So we did an extended sound check prior to the show and 
recorded everything to make sure that everything was showing up correctly. Uh, you know, the thing is, we recorded this stuff to hard disk. I don't know the technical stuff around it, but it's not the same as like looking at a computer and being able to see all these waveforms and hear playback and all this stuff. So we kind of left that in Tony Albert's hands. And he's done stuff before for not just for us, but for many bands. And he's trusted, but still, you never know what's going to happen. And we're in this old venue. We're playing on, you know, half the gear isn't ours or more than half. So we just wanted to make sure everything works. The other thing is you have, you have the microphones that are connected to the mixing board and the main house PA and the monitors. And that's what people are hearing at the show. But then you also have a secondary set of microphones on everything, which is going straight to recording the live record. So there's just a lot of pieces involved in doing something like this. I didn't sing during the sound check because I was already feeling under the weather. And just, I mean, even if I was at 100%, if you're going to go balls out and sing a show, you're not going to be able to do it again that night. It's not like, you know... Armand could play guitar for three shows in a row. I could play bass. Dustin could play drums. But with the voice, it's different. When the voice goes, you need rest. And we just didn't have that time. And uh, we originally wanted to run through the whole set um, instrumentally just to have some backup, you know, in case anything went wrong, you know, that kind of thing. This shit happens. So, but that didn't happen because we were. Obviously, it was too late. They had to open doors, and they had to set up the opening band. So that end actually went pretty well, except for sound check, which we were going to record the entire sound check and go through it just as a practice. And as we were running through the sound check, I noticed that one of the guitar cabinets uh, was not working properly, or it was cutting in and out. You know, that's that's kind of your biggest fear, right? So um, fortunately, it was during sound check. <laughs> well, I know at sound check, I was playing with with some pep, and uh, Jarvis yelled at me for playing too fast. Um, but because it was so early in the morning, um, you know, we hadn't all woken up yet, and I was drinking coffee and. You know, so I got some caffeine going and I had the extra little bit of juice. And there were some people at Soundcheck that were hanging around listening. And I just had, an, you know, I just was thinking about the energy that I'd be putting out during the show because we don't we don't play to a click track. So I was trying to really just um, bring the energy of what I felt like our show was going to be like later that day. So Jarvis told me I was playing too fast and uh, he told me I wasn't allowed to drink any more coffee for the day. Um, but he didn't know that when he wasn't paying attention, I was drinking more coffee. <laughs> I don't know, maybe around two o'clock or something. We were finally, they were ready to go, you know? So we were able to play a few songs, I think, and recorded them and, you know, listen back just to make sure things sounded right or the way they should. And yeah, they were, we were pretty happy with the way it sounded right away. So after that, it was like, well, all right, um... Basically, just go back to where we were staying and just relax because, you know, there was a pretty stacked bill. There was, let's see, I have this written down here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bands before us. If you can imagine that, one show. And we were the headliners recording a fucking live album. You know, obviously... The last thing we wanted to do is be hanging around there all day, you know, with everybody, you know, it's it's too tempting to have a beer. Everybody wants to have a beer, say hi, blah, blah. Also for Jarvis, for being a singer, you know, you don't want to be talking to people all day and you wear your voice out. He actually was, had already had, uh, he was sick. So before the show, I mean, I, I got to admit, I was feeling very under the weather. I think I was sick for about a month and I just had the worst cough and the worst head cold and congestion and my throat was acting up. It was just one of those things. Looking back in hindsight, I've gotten much better at these things. Honestly, I mean, when you're when you're sick, you can't help it. 
But I actually do believe that the mind can overcome certain things. But when you're feeling that way and the pressure is mounting, you can make yourself more sick. And I think that's what I did. I was just so nervous with the days leading up to it that I just got in my own head. And so arriving there, I had already been kind of feeling like this. And it's the worst feeling to have because there's people that show up that are so damn excited, especially early in the day, the people that are helping out and your old friends, and they just want to talk to you and they want to say hi and they want to say how pumped they are for the show and they want to know the set list and all this. And I'm just sitting there just trying to feel better, just wishing and willing myself to some kind of general health <laughs> that I can I can be Jarvis Leatherby on stage, the Jarvis Leatherby that they know. I remember trying to relax because um, after soundcheck, we had gone back to uh, Jim Nostradamus Bartek's house and uh, he put us up for a couple days at his house and um, I had my own room and I was, you know, hanging out, trying to get some sleep. Because um, by the time we were done with sound check and back at his place, I don't know, it was probably like three in the afternoon, maybe a little bit later. And then I couldn't sleep a wink. I was just just laying there thinking about, you know, just smashing it out of the park. But it was it was a bit nerve wracking. So we just kind of chilled back at the room all day long. We ended up showing up there, I don't know, I think around 10 o'clock or something like that. And we hung backstage. There was some food down there, drinks, all that kind of stuff. You know, kind of got warmed up, talked to people. I always I always kind of have my rituals to have a guitar in my hand at least an hour before the set. Just running through, you know, just not, not really playing anything, really just just nonsense just running my fingers up and down the board you know playing things as fast as I can just to kind of warm up and play things until it hurts you know that that kind of thing is how I warm up but again like I said I mean I can do that as much as I want but there's nothing like getting on stage just blasting the first three or four songs out then that's when I'm finally warmed up you know, most of the time I watch the opening bands, but I think I remember from that show, um, being that it was so um, important, I was just really just trying to stay in the zone. Um, I didn't drink any alcohol before that show. Um, I probably only ate like protein and some fruit, you know, just try to keep my energy but also not overeat so that I'm not, you know, I'm not cramping that, you know, I wanted to really come out and just play the gig as best as I possibly could. So I kept it pretty light when it came to eating and obviously no, no, no smoking weed or drinking booze. Um, I think I had one beer before the show. I met up with a, with a friend and he's like, come on, man, have a, have a beer with me. Okay, I'll have one. I, had, I think I had one yingling because I'm a huge uh, Yingling uh, lager fan because I'm from Pennsylvania and uh, they're the oldest brewery in, in America and they're from Pennsylvania. So I had to have one of those. So the band had intentions of recording a full rehearsal before the show, just in case they need to patch something up in post-production. But uh, due to time constraints, they don't get a chance to record their backup the way they want. Uh, the doors are about to open. So this takes us right up to the show. The band has sound checked. The technical kinks are worked out. Tony Alberts is set to record the show. Stakes are super high. The band gets one shot at this. And now, after all this preparation, Night Demon is about to take the stage and create a timeless piece of their heavy metal history. So that's where we'll pick it up next week. Be sure to check out nightdemon.net in the subscriber section. There's the stage plot, there's a gear list, there's candid shots from the setup and from the sound check. Uh, also in the subscriber store, there's some cool stuff. There's uh, some original live darkness back patches. So if you missed those when those were for sale, there's a few more available now in the store. Also, this is very cool. Live darkness on super rare triple LP in clear vinyl. So they only pressed a hundred of them, sold almost all of them. There was a few left, they were put away. Now they're back in the subscriber store. Not very many of those, they're very cool. And that's it for this week. 
Tune in next week for Live Darkness Part 3. This is Nesbitt, signing off. Thanks for listening to the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. Head over to nightdemon.net, click on the subscriber tab, and sign up to access exclusive weekly bonus content. If you would like to donate to support the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast, you can do so through PayPal at paypal.me slash nightdemonmetal. Additionally, if you have not already done so, please subscribe, like, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbearable suspense keeps you on the edge of an abyss of terror. Take a cult film odyssey into Cinemadness with Cinematic Void. Based in Los Angeles, Cinematic Void is a film series that specializes in horror and exploitation films. Currently, we are hosting Cinematic Void Up All Night in the Cinemanus Movie, a monthly virtual screening series, as well as the Cinematic Void Podcast, where we dive deeper into the world of cult cinema. You can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at cinematicvoid.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like what we do, you can support Cinematic Void by joining our Patreon. Until next time, see you in the void. <laughs>